In a world full of anger, strife, and plagues, a constant struggle is battled out between good and evil, right and wrong. And for over seven years, the IndieCast is here to try to make you forget all of that. With interviews, pop culture talk, and the best in sexual innuendo. So sit back and relax as Chad, Zach, and Luna welcome you to the IndieCast. Exclusively on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. Uh, it is an After Dark episode. I am one half of your hosting team, Zach Romero. Joining me here, as always, is one Chad Allen. Chad, you, say hello. You know, one thing I've noticed about the way you intro and the way I intro, you actually come in very professional and very smooth, and I sound like the, the beginning of the fucking Bozo the Clown show from the w, from WGN <laughs> back in the day. I'm like, hey, everybody! And you're like, welcome to the IndieCast. It's like I like, the, to, I like to slide in like I'm NPR, and then it's yeah. talking about like, uh, and then butts fart, like... Like that's right. my, I, so, I, I, I subvert expectations. But it's like it's like goddamn his interest dreamy, and I sound like a freaking clown. So uh, I mean, I guess I've got the clown your, tattoo your, and stuff. Your so I'm, have a real uh, kinetic. Oh my god! Somebody just kicked in the booth door with a gun kind of energy. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I guess. Yeah, it's so, very good. I love. It. It's, so, it's always very like you. You set the tone very well when we've got a guest. Where it's like, holy shit, they're here. Fuck. It's too late. They can't say no now. <laughs> That's right. They're, they're, you're stuck now, goddammit. <laughs> you already said Hello? yes. There's no takesy-backsies. Hello. Hello, big name that we never expected to be on this fucking show. Welcome to the IndieCast. So. Yeah, the, the difference is mine is, like, very chatty and overblown. Yours has a wonderful air of, like, what the fuck were you thinking? Here you are. Like, that's great. Anyway, you know what the, the funny part is we're about to hit eight years. Yes. We've had a lot. And if you look back at our at our at the guests we've had, we've had some really big names on our show. And I'm not trying to brag on this. I'm, I'm legitimately still to this day shocked whenever I get, like, a huge name. Like, like when Uncle Bob comes on or when, right. you know, Justin Credible comes on or one of those guys when they're like, yeah, I'll come on the show. And I'm like, Really? okay cool so it's like yeah no we I've, definitely there's there's never going i hope we never lose the feeling of you've got to be shitting me right um but unfortunately the day we get the blue meanie on we end the show permanently so well and, no i actually i have the one or two people actually i'll be honest on my list that like if they ever if i ever get them to say yes it, it might be time to call quits because i don't think there's going to be a, another upward from there well that's not the whole um, thing it's it's if they say yes and they actually show up then right well yeah yeah, blue mini though. Blake, breaking the blue mini curse would still be a big one on my uh, on my list because we definitely did break the Jervis one already, so yes. we're good on that. Um, I have sent messages to before and never gotten a reply, sadly. But if we could ever get Chris Hero on, that yeah. might be like shut the doors, but you know, bar the doors, Katie, we're we're done. Uh, or if somehow I get and there's no way this one will probably ever happen, but if somehow I can get through to Cody Rhodes and get him to agree to be on. Uh, I'm closing up the doors. I'm I'm done. There's nothing else I can do. So right. at that point, what what but, why go on? Uh, as you've all probably guessed, listening, we don't have a guest this week. Uh, nah. we're, however, we are carrying on the momentum of the show in recent weeks. Uh, the amazing two part episode with Brutal Bob Evans, uh, the fantastic sit down with Matt Griffin. We're we're carrying on this idea of helping wrestlers out and and explaining ideas and and really d- deep diving into like how to do wrestling better and not just like learn to run the ropes, but the other elements of wrestling. So coming up in March, uh, I'm going to be hosting a first ever gimmick guide seminar, meaning I'm going to be sitting down and going over um, all I know and everything I've picked up and all of my ideas on how to build character, how to create a gimmick, um, what to do about merch, all these other things. So it's going to be a big, Whoop-de-doo, hopefully people learn, hopefully people give a shit. Um, leading up to that for this particular episode, imagine this is almost like an appetizer for that seminar. See a moose-boosh, moose yes, if you were. Yes, thank you. Um, Chad and I are going to be discussing some ideas, kind of making some rough sketches here. And hopefully this is still going to be something that young wrestlers or even older wrestlers can still kind of take and, and, and mull over and, and maybe come up with something new. Um, you know, slowly but surely, and perhaps maybe in some cases way too fast, wrestling is starting to open up again. 
And so this is a great time to really start kind of putting some thought into, okay, I'm coming back to wrestling and I'm going to come back and, and do it right. And I'm going to get the most out of it. So this is going to kind of be the focus of this episode. This is a, like a precursor to the gimmick guide and talking about merchandise and characters and, and really where things start. Now, my final little tidbit here is my big like justification for who the hell am I is that like, I've got this big laundry list of like, I've done every job there is to do in wrestling other than like go to wrestling school, like everything else. And even then I've taken a couple bumps and it sucked. Um, but I've done everything else there is to do in wrestling in terms of like, I've worked the camera, I've done editing, I've done commentary, I've done announcing, I've done booking, I've done promoting, uh, blah, 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 a thousand things. Okay, great. Chad, on the other hand, although he is knee deep in backstage antics, whether he wants to be or not, mm -hmm. has also had his fair share of run-ins with like running things and helping uh, productions of wrestling go. But the added bonus, the other angle I'm playing here is that Chad is an unbelievable wealth of knowledge in terms of not only experiencing wrestling for much longer than I have, but also in different regions, in different eras. He's seen how things work cyclically. He's seen how things work, how things don't work to on large and small scale. So he has a wealth of knowledge here. So um, Chad, I want to start by kind of just throwing some ideas at you and kind of get your two cents about it sure. um, before I rattle on on my little big boy seminar thing. By the way, Zach, before you get into asking me questions, yes. let's do this right now. If somebody is listening to this right now and goes, I want to listen to that, I want to see this seminar, where would they do that? Great question. So uh, March the 14th, 2.05 Eastern on the <laughs> fully gimmicked Facebook page. It's going to be streaming on Facebook Live. Now, I'm aware that Facebook is an ancient website that the cool kids don't use anymore. I'm aware of that. However... It's going to be streaming live on that Facebook, on the fully gimmicked Facebook page. It'll be streaming live on that date. Now, the purpose of that is you can comment as you see fit on the on that video. You can ask your questions live. Um, you can also send your questions in early now. If you email uh, the gimmick guide at gmail.com, you can get your question in early and then you won't be put on blast when you're commenting like, how do you make a T-shirt? And, and people aren't going to be like, you baby, what are you, an infant? Like you, you can avoid that by sending the questions in early. Um, but nevertheless, you'll be able to communicate with me live during the seminar. After that's done, after that's wrapped up, how God knows how long it's going to go. Then it's going to come back as a replay on both Twitch and on YouTube and in a potentially edited down version if there's like a lot of dead air or something like that. Um, now, Zach, that feels like that could cost 20 to $30. How much does it cost to watch this? You would think that, but this is really just sort of the test run in terms of uh, giving you the first taste for free. So uh, this seminar doesn't actually cost anything for now. Now, if it goes well and goes gangbusters, then daddy's going to make his money. But until then, <laughs> you can see it for free on the Fully Gimmick Facebook account on March the 14th at 2.05 Eastern. And uh, it'll be me. I'll have some other uh, speakers helping me from behind the camera, kind of feeding me questions and, and, and other things. But it'll be me, 100%, just sharing everything I have to give about gimmicks, characters, merchandise, um, how wrestling can work, and, and just go from there. So, hey, cheap, cheap bastards, it's free 99. You should be on there on the 14th. So, awesome. okay. no dollar. Now that, but now that I've uh, let you get your shit in early and we'll do yes. another one at the end here, uh, start, start pelting me with questions, sir. I'm interested to hear, I'm interested to hear what you got. So a question here right off the bat, uh, in your opinion, what is in the creation process of coming up with a gimmick or a character? And this kind of goes for probably mostly younger wrestlers. Um, what do you feel is the least and more, least important thing to focus on? When you're building a character up. When you're building a character up, what's the least important? Um, is, is it sad to say, like, the moves? Is it weird that I say that? But, like, okay. like okay. the well, here's my thing. The, like, the basics of wrestling, you know, will, will obviously get you, get you through a match. Do you need one or two to, like, make sure that you've got something that's definitely character-driven? To start, yes, 100%, because uh, one of the biggest things that we've talked about on here before, and I think Effie talked about when he was on, speaking of, like, considering the, you know, the kind of run of, like, do better in wrestling, that Effie interview is mm -hmm. another one to go back and listen to, um, is, you know, not just having your character at the entrance and when you, when you leave. Mm -hmm. It's got to be in the match, too. 
So the moves are definitely important, but I feel like that one or two telltale moves can can obviously pull that across. But it's the how you handle yourself and your character in the ring and as you come in and how you build it up from there that ultimately becomes the most important part. So for a lot of people that are like, well, I need to be able to do this like crazy flippy move here and I have to have this submission that, you know, takes five minutes to set up and things like that probably aren't nearly as important as how you play to a crowd. How do you show your, your character here? How do you keep it interesting from, you know, from that point? Um, you know, the, the good old, you know, and I got, I sound like, you know, an old timey wrestler here. That's like, <laughs> you know, back in my day, a suplex was a finisher. Yeah, I'm sure it was, but still like, it's, it's how you, you know, how you create the, the, the interest and intrigue as the match goes on isn't just about the, the pretty move you do. It's how you do it and why you're doing it. Does it make sense on why you're doing that pretty flippy move? Or do you just like it because it's going to get you, it's, you know, you're going to get, you know, the, someone's going to make a the, gif of it. The right. You're going to get gift. Exactly. So. Well, as a, as a quick aside to that, and, and I, I'm curious if you'll agree on this. Uh, speaking of like super cool flashy moves, I for one, and I and I hear older wrestlers talk about this, but it's in more of like a you know save it for the main event kind of attitude, right? But if you are truly trying to be a heel, like a real villainous gimmick, mm-hmm. keep your flashy moves to a minimum mm-hmm. because you're making life difficult in terms of telling a cohesive story, if you've done all this work, if you've set this table in your entrance and you know, maybe you're like a chicken shit or something like that. And like you're, you're, you know, you're, you're avoiding the the hero and all this crowd wants to see you get punched in the face so bad and they hate your guts. And then you get up and do a triple Lindy off the top rope and everyone goes, wow, that was amazing. How is the audience supposed to feel about this now? Right. So, and it doesn't have to be like high flying stuff. It could be anything. If you're doing super unbelievable physical stuff, but you're also trying to be like a dastardly bad guy, you're making things difficult for your, for the audience because they want to applaud you. That's a feat of strength. It's a, it's a feat of skill that they themselves cannot do. And they want to commend you for that after you've just told them, oh, this town sucks and I hate it here. Like you're going to make it, you're going to make it confusing. And it may not feel like it in the moment. It may feel like, oh, but this match is going to be a banger. Yeah, but now the crowd doesn't know what to do because they got the memo that you're supposed to get booed, but you just did the coolest fucking thing in the match. Right. You know what my favorite heel move is to this, I think probably to this day, and it was the simplest thing in the world. And it's by a person who can definitely do a lot more. Um, Do you remember when Samoa Joe first showed up in TNA? Vaguely, yeah, I do remember that. Vaguely. Joe shows up in TNA and he's fighting, I don't even remember who, some sort of high flyer. And like the high flyers got him on the ropes. He's putting him down. He's come down for a bit. Joe's starting to stumble up. The guy goes up to the top rope to do something major. And the guy comes flying off with this beautiful move. And Joe just stepped out of the way. I have seen that clip probably, I don't know, 10,000 times well, in my life. Because he's, he's definitely done it a few times, but... Yeah, I was just the time, like, nope, I'm not doing that shit. Yeah, the first time he did it was like, that is the greatest douche move I've ever seen in my entire life, and completely one of those things it's like, why has nobody done that before? But it was simple. It was, And Joe can do like, not, you know, super flippy stuff, but he, he's definitely you know, he, got some, he's some, like, some, he's got got some ups for a guy his size. And, and yeah, exactly. But... But yeah, he, he, but he didn't, he knew at that point he didn't need to do that. He, you mm-hmm. know, a simple step away is going to get it, get it just as much. Yeah, so if you've you're got absolutely right, the option was there to, if he wanted to, he could do like a jumping drop kick and catch right. the guy out of the sky with it. Right. And holy shit. And instead he chose to say, nope, and just walk away and yeah. show that he was smarter. He was outsmarting the guy. Like, exactly. That's. That's a great decision to make. So let me back up to the very origin, the nucleus of the whole thing. In okay. your opinion, and this is basically what I've structured my entire like you know uh, philosophy on. But in your opinion, why is a gimmick important, and what kind of wrestler needs a gimmick? I mean, ultimately, I'm going to answer your question backwards. What kind of wrestler needs a gimmick? All of them. 
Oh, okay. All all of you do. Now, don't get me wrong. The, what level of like, you know, if all you're picturing when the word gimmick comes out of our mouths is Doink the Clown, well, you're then the point. you're missing the point. Right. Um, and interesting, before the show started, you and I were, were um, having our board meeting, as yes. we called it, and we talked a little bit about, and I can I don't mind bringing him up here, Nolan Edward. Mm-hmm. Nolan Edward is an amazing wrestler. He's an ass kicker. He's uh, he's no flinch. But like, even though it's still kind of like uh, just you know tough nosed you know rough nosed wrestler, like it's still a gimmick. And the way he right and the way he brings himself out and the way he presents himself is a is a gimmick. You know, it, it doesn't all have to be like when you say gimmick, it doesn't all have to be face paint and wild hair and like ultimate warrior type stuff from like the eighties. Like the problem is most regular non wrestling people like, and you know this because if you go watch like a TV show where pro wrestling is suddenly involved and they're not bringing in somebody from the WWE or AEW or something like that, how are those wrestlers normally portrayed? They're portrayed in like neon spandex, probably Mm -hmm. Zuba, Zuba print, probably some sort of face paint that, you know, and, and a lot of screaming and, and yelling and stuff, which is, as most of us know, was wrestling, but really isn't like as much anymore. That's not what, you know, wrestling has evolved to. Right. Yeah. Hogan, Hogan and warrior and stuff like that. Definitely had all that back in the day, the road warriors demolition. Like, yes, there's been a lot of that, but that's not what it is. Every wrestler needs to, every wrestler needs to to ponder what their, what their gimmick is. Even if it's, you know, something basic that they can, they can play off of. Um, we, I think, God, I'm sure we've said this a billion times on this show too. Um, if just your gimmick is I'm a wrestler. Okay. That's great. Then you better be the best goddamn wrestler we've ever seen in our lives. Right. Dean Malenko better have like somehow had, you know, a virgin birth with Ric Flair to, you know, with, you know, Ricky Steamboat as like. Uh, a weird a weird surrogate to to make like to make like this great wrestler character that you are um like you have to be touched you know legitimately it has to be like the sistine chapel like god's hand reaching down to touch you for how good of a wrestler you are for you to just be i'm a wrestler Mm -hmm. because otherwise if you don't put on like this amazing spectacle of i'm a wrestler are, are you really gaining their, are you gaining an audience's imagination? Are you getting what you, you know, what you need out of it? There needs to be something for them to grab onto, to find interesting, to connect wrestling. Ultimately, when was wrestling popular the first time around? You got to remember it's a rock and wrestling connection back. Oh, well, I mean, obviously we can go much farther back than that. We can go to gorgeous George back in the fifties. Right. Um, when TV first started, we can go to, you know, like I said, we can talk about like Bruno San Martino, though, like, just a, you know, a lot of people would look back. He's like, he's just a big, strong guy wrestler. No, he was a big, strong guy wrestler who happened to be like an Italian immigrant who right. had come over and, and like was living the American dream. That's it. I was going to say, literally in, the embodiment of the classic in, American dream. Right in New York City, where holy shit, a bunch of other immigrants had come over and you know come through Ellis Island at that time frame. And he was like their their beacon of their you know what they were living. Uh, well, that's a that's a gimmick. <laughs> that's the, yeah. that's and he played it to the hilt because it was because it was him. We get into the eighties. Hulk Hogan was a gimmick. Rock and wrestling was a gimmick. But it's like that big cartoon. You know, at the time it was that big cartoon thing that people could really wanted to be interested in and grab on and like larger than life characters. If you're gonna get not just the, you know, the wrestling nerds like us in the audience, you really want to be able to get the kids, the family, stuff like the, that Uncle Bob was talking about. You, those are the people you really want to get a hold of. You want to get a kid's, you know, the kid's imagination that's in the front row. You want them to either reach out to clap your hand or, you know, or boo the devil out of you because you're a bad guy. If you can't get them based off of what you're presenting and you're like, they're going to want to go like look at the candy machine or something while you're right. having your match. You failed. Sorry. Well, and, and it's but... it's interesting. Uh, Uncle Bob actually brought up something in the last episode that I never really considered because I was 
I guess, somewhat callous or cold in regards to gimmicks previously in terms of (laughs) my big pitch for wrestlers was like, well, you need a gimmick because that'll sell merch. And then if you sell merch, then that's money in your pocket. But Brutal Bob brought up, hey, man, a lot of these wrestlers have self-esteem issues. A lot of these wrestlers have confidence issues. So they don't think that they'll ever be able to sell anything. So you, therefore framing things in a way of like, well, you have to do this because it'll be merch. If they've already got it in their head that no one's ever going to buy merch from me, right. then that's there. Then there's no incentive to make a gimmick. Right. But in what you're talking about, make a gimmick in terms of a clear, cohesive focal point of you as a persona. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be big and over the top. Just what are you, what is your catchphrase? What can people know from looking at you so that you give the fans and the audience the opportunity to connect to you? Because if you go out there and you're not there to like connect or tell a story, you're just there to like, I guess, slowly get brain damage. I don't know why you would, what other reason you'd want to be in pro wrestling. Right. But if you're not there to connect with people or to tell a story or make people react in some way, then why are you in wrestling? Right. So that's really the, for me, that's where the nucleus of, of, of the gimmick comes from is it's not this, like you have to be a cartoon character. It's like, you need to be presentable in a way that people will understand non-verbally if needed. It needs to be something to where when you come out and when you're wrestling and when you're, you know, carrying yourself that somebody could have all the noise, they could be watching at home on mute and still go, Oh, that girl is blah, 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 blah. Like that, that's the purpose of all this is it's not just a money thing. It's a connectivity thing. Now I think merch helps with that as well. Sure. Because if somebody really thinks you're great and they want to feel like they're supporting you in some way, then don't, take the opportunity away from them and be like, yeah, sorry, I got nothing for you. They want to feel like they're contributing. They want to feel like I'm showing my support because I believe in you as a character, as a performer. And I want to show that. Don't tell them no. Why would you tell them no? Right. If it's like, I want to buy your shirt and wear it around and explain to people who don't, to explain to normies who you are because you're the shit, why would you be like, yeah, I'm not interested? Right. What do you mean? It's so crazy. And I have an example, and, and, uh, you know, and again, not to backtrack, I feel like we could edit all together a bunch of our shows where people talk about stuff like this and turn it into something itself. If if Um, I was a better editor and had more time, I would be such a... Well, also true. Um, one day I'm going to get something together where I'm going to learn to edit so I can start helping with this shit, I promise. Um, but um, uh, Technical Alchemist David Mercury. Yep. Again, and I'll we'll try to find this episode and I'll put this back up too because we talk about this. Uh, and I know he talked about this. Before he became the persona that he was, he was a very good technical wrestler. He was, you know, but it was, you know, Black, he was, I think he was, black... he was he was talented submission right. vet. That right. was that was that was how you would sum him up. Yeah, black singlet, like very ba- you know, great wrestler, a lot of fun. But and he even admitted himself that he was legitimately like a couple steps away from just hanging it up. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, his amazing wife, who we. I've met a few times and is absolutely wonderful. Um, came up with the idea. It's like, Hey, you're the technical alchemist. What if we did this and pondered just a, like a lab coat and some goggles. And it, it's one of those things where now we've got the, that extra piece of the puzzle that was missing the entire time. Right. And he has absolutely run with it to the point that, you know, at, at the time, my daughter who was probably seven or eight, um, where we, you know, she likes to go to independent shows with me, had gone and seen him once and immediately like, that, that was, that's my that, guy. That's my guy. And, and legitimately he had asked me before I went to the show, daddy, can I, can I borrow? Cause we, we own Cause we're nerds here. We own a pair of like, you know, um, you know, like old school, like, um, steampunk goggles, daddy, can I borrow the steampunk, the goggles we have and the lab coat you bought for, a. Halloween costume and can I go as David Mercury to a show? 
I didn't put her up to that. Wasn't my idea. It was completely hers. And I went, hell yeah, you can. And got her dressed up. If you can get to the point where you're capturing somebody's imagination like that, then why not? Do it in a second. Like my my, now 10-year-old still has a David Mercury shirt that she wears on a on a regular basis. I see that shirt come up. And I have the same shirt. And we right. and I've definitely been stopped before in stores to ask what the shirt was and and you know have people explain it because it's it's an interesting look. It's an interesting thing. But again, if if a few years ago David hadn't made that change to to kind of tweak his idea a little bit and run with it, he'd probably be you know, working in, you know, whatever a nine, nine to five job is and, and, you know, talking to, you know, about, you know, the days that he used to be a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Thank God he did. He didn't because that, uh, you know, right. we would have missed out on a lot of really cool stuff. And if you're not following David Mercury, by the way, go find him and find his videos. His videos are absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, he cuts a great promo, but also incredible wrestler. Fantastic to watch. Um, absolutely. So, so let's, let's jump to like a more intermediate question. Cause I, it's so easy to talk about like wrestlers first coming into wrestling. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, you know, figure out a gimmick. So let's figure out something a little more intermediate. So let's say you're a wrestler, you're, you're typically a heel and you, you know, you wrestle fairly regularly. How do you, what is a way to help stand out from the pack of heels? Because much like in comic books and in movies and in TV shows, there's always a thousand bad guys. Right. There's always it's it's so much more uh there's so much more creativity given towards bad guys than good guys typically. So they're typically you're you're usually running into a lot of bad guys in, right. in, a, in a particular promotion. So what how what's your idea of like how do you stand out as a heel? Um and if if you if you're if you're stuck, I can give you kind of the beginnings of what Aluna and I have talked about. Go ahead and give me the beginnings, because I've got some visions in my head of this, but I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Hear so, your thought. so for a question like this, I don't think it's as easy as like, oh, here's a universal answer. I right. think it's going to be a lot more specific to like, what is the roster you're dealing with? And it goes back to, again, what Bob said two weeks ago when, you know, he was coming into town and he was coming to do this show and he was working David Mercury and... Mercury came to him before the show and was like, Bob, it's a real pleasure. Can't wait to chain wrestle with you. And Bob looked at him and said, Dave, tonight is not that night. Right. Every other match on the card had been very, very submission and and chain wrestling heavy. So he read the room and went, we're going to have to do something different. So I feel like that same philosophy applies here that like, it's going to depend on what are the other heels doing in your promotion or the promotions that you're running in? Are they, a bunch of cocky heels, then don't be a cocky heel. Right. Is it, you know, they're all monsters. Well, then don't be a monster. You know, you don't have to completely start from scratch, but the idea should be to stand out. You need to read the room and go, okay, what is everybody else doing? And maybe the answer is everyone's unclear. Agree. And, and, and when you, right. No. And the, and the funny part is you, I like what you said there, what everybody else is doing. Not only is it what, the other heels are doing, but what, what are your, who are the, who are the people you're fighting? What are who are the faces that you have there? Who are the good guys? Do you have a bunch of like, like, you know, plucky young, you know, like, you know, you know, kind of upstart characters, like, like you know, a great example would be somebody like, um, uh, uh, Dick Danger. Like, okay. do you have, do you have a real, like kind of tiny plucky, like I'm coming out with my, you know, I'm the, you know, compact cannonball. I'm the, you know, well, I'm the then, forever underdog. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to get the crowd behind me. Well, then being a, you know, a cocky, smarmy heel, probably going to work better in that instance. But if like your good guy is, um, you know, somebody like, um, uh, for an example, and I apologize for, you know, for those of you that may not be in the Florida scene, um, right. but, we're, we're doing but, some deep cuts in the Florida, page. but, Sorry. but, um, like, well, I'm trying now I'm trying to think of somebody like that's kind of a, a, a big, a bigger wrestler. That's a, that's a good guy right now. Like, like, uh, I guess if you get somebody like O'Shea Edwards, I'll go okay. a little more broad on this one. Cause he just got congratulations by the way. He just got signed to ring of honor. Um, O'Shea Edwards is not a tiny person. He's called the big bad kaiju for a reason. Now you may look at O'Shea and might consider him a, a, 
a, a heel or, you know, but he's definitely been a face in some places. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to play a cocky heel against somebody who looks like O'Shea Edwards. Right. It's just not going to be believable. Nobody's going to walk in cocky against O'Shea Edwards. Yeah, if it um, looks like he could eat peanuts off the top of your head, you're not going right. to just smarm him, you know, into submission. Right. So chicken shit it. Or, like, the whole reason that, like, the like prime example, the whole reason the Dusty Rhodes Ric Flair feud worked was because Dusty was indeed like the common man. He he was the right. son of a plumber, and Ric Flair was a cocky rich asshole. Um, so they played each off off of each other beautifully. Um, it, so you know, knowing like if if depending on what type of character you got to play off against, can be kind of how you're how you're going to play yourself now don't get me wrong everybody's going to have their own you know their own characters and things like that and you know sometimes you're going to get somebody like you know shea edwards who's going to face off against like let's say uh, john davis which actually is coming up pretty soon those now you've got a big monster good guy and a big monster bad guy well then you just have to go in playing it like king kong and godzilla like you just you just have to know to like how's the best way to play this and make this make this matchup work and still have the defined roles that you need to play um, or as defined as it can be. Sometimes it's going to be all shades of gray, but like, how, how do you do that? That's going to be, that's going to be what you're looking at. And, and no, and quite honestly, part of that though also comes up to the promoter. Like True. If, if you're taking a look at like, I've got a, you know, these are the good guys I have. What's the best balance of bad guys I can put them up against? That's going to be a, a big part of it as well. To, to you would kind hope. of recognize you would that. Hope, but of course, sometimes the promoter is not going to do the heavy lifting for you. And also I think, true. And 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 one thing I think you really brought up is you know we talked about the goal of like having a gimmick in terms of you know the being able to connect with people and and give the audience something to sort of hold on to, to, to figure out your matches, but also the goal for you as a performer with your gimmick, whatever it is, should be that you have such a great grasp on it that even when things get weird, you don't, you don't waver. And I don't mean that like uh, this is all I do and you're going to have to work around me. But like Chad said, let's say you are a heel. You've been doing it for a while and you've got just a super great grasp on what you know works and, and how, how this, how, how you can excel in your role. And then you get somebody where it's like, Oh, they're the same height as you as a good guy. You know, they got the same strength. They get the same level of popularity. It's like a perfect matchup. And you go, well, I can't just do everything I normally do. I have to sort of be a little malleable. That's the goal is to have an understanding that even if shit goes crazy, you can still be successful and you can still be true to the character you've built, but reach the goal nonetheless. And to an even broader scale than that, what happens when shit goes really south? Right. And so the story that I'm going to tell here that I don't know for sure if I'm going to tell it on the gimmick guide is there was a show that we had put on and John Davis was, was cutting a promo and uh, Troy Hollywood came out and yes. he was originally supposed to be involved in the ending, but he had gotten um, kind of in, he had gotten his bell rung basically in a previous matchup. So we just ended up saying like, you just stay here. They'll have the regular match. It's fine. And so Troy and John came out and cut a promo against each other because they knew that this was unfinished, literally like they were supposed to be involved with one another's matches and it didn't happen. And so they both cut full promos to one another. And if you were in the crowd, you would have had no idea that this was not the original plan. But each of them had such an understanding of themselves as characters. They were able to do the world's most anxious, anxiety-written backstage improv game of going back and forth with one another. And it told a perfect story. Because mm-hmm. even if you, they had both been blindfolded and just dropped in the middle of the ring and told, okay, you go, you, you guys are fighting, figure it out. They both had such an understanding of themselves that it came off beautifully. If either one of them wasn't a hundred percent confident with who they were, it would have fallen apart in 10 seconds. Right. So that's the goal is that in those situations or hell, let's talk about uh, the Ignite show that Luna and I went to a million years ago and Martin Stone and Ethan Case were set to wrestle and Ethan 
was totally coming in as a as a as a face. He had streamers, he had the bright colors, and Martin Stone was a no nonsense heel. Great, it writes itself. Ethan comes out first. The crowd hates him for some reason. Martin Stone comes out second. The crowd loves him for some reason. They both had such understandings of themselves as performers. They went, okay, I guess we're not doing what we planned. Now you don't hope for that, right? But you have to have an understanding of yourself in order to make something like that work. Because if you don't, and if they just both dug their heels in and went, no, God damn it, we planned this, I'm the bad guy, you're the good guy, and that's it, then the crowd would have been like, what are we even doing? And then it's right. snack break, and then it's bathroom break, and you're losing people's interest. Mm -hmm. the, the, the goal should be that you have such a core understanding of who you are when you go through that curtain that you are unshakable. Again, it doesn't mean you don't change for anybody. It right. means that you are 100% malleable. You are 100% ready for anything, but you're not going to just be like, well, normally I'm Macho Man Randy Savage, but today I'm The Miz. No, right. you stay who you are, but be ready for change if change comes. And that might be another thing to kind of ponder that I don't hear a lot of people ever talking about. You should you should probably know as a character um what is the what is the you know the good guy side of your character and what is the bad guy side of your character at any point of time because you're absolutely right something like that can happen so now and not to pick on somebody you know like you know let me actually let me let me back this up a little let me change a little bit because uh, I won't keep using Dick Danger I won't keep picking on Dick especially because he hasn't been around in a little while but I also want to go for some like so for those of you old ECW fans you know Dick Danger now is what Mikey Whipwreck was originally mm -hmm. in ECW. Mm -hmm. He was the the young upstart, the underdog, never won a match until, like, he got the big pin to, to win the ECW tag titles, you know, with, with uh, you know, uh, Kex Jack. And that was definitely, you know, that was definitely one thing. But at some point, he had to turn into a bad guy and, you know, was teamed up with Tajiri and things like that and completely turned it over. It was still Mikey Whiprack, but he he grew and adjusted with it. So kind of knowing offhand. So in case something like what you had mentioned with the Ethan case match happens, knowing like, okay, well, if, you know, I have to turn the dial the other way, what is that? So that you at least know in the back of your head, what it is. Yeah. You need that in case of emergency break glass. So you're not right. just going, come on. Cause you don't know what else faces are supposed to do. Right. And by the way, God, people, can we stop with the come on? Stop. Stop. The only person I think even remotely allowed to do that anymore is Jericho. And Jericho just it made it, has made it just like such a punchline of his own stuff now. I can't even like, stop with the, stop with the, come on, you know. But what old. is that? Let's dig, I want to dig into that for a second. What is that? It's lazy. Why, why does that bother you? Because it's lazy. Because uh -huh. it's it's just it's it's not interesting. It's lazy, really. With with how many people that come out and yell, "Come on!" That I how, think how it's even worse than that. I think it's even worse than that. I don't think it's a repetition thing. It's not a character thing. No, you're begging the audience to give a shit. Yeah, that's not a character thing. No, that's a. Please pretend to care so the promoter doesn't yell at me. It is, it is, uh, it is, uh, and boy, this is going to be a, a, a long off reference on this one, but I'm sure you'll get it. This will be, uh, Jeb Bush when he was running for president about five years ago. <laughs> and he said something in a speech or something. And he, they, he, they, he wrapped up a moment of a speech and clearly gave the audience their like, okay, and ba ba ba, ba ba ba. And legitimately had to ask them. He, I believe he said, please clap or something please like clap. that. Yes, he that had to the, like that was the line. beg them for it. So he was guys, like, please clap. And it was so sad. Every time. And that's you, what that is. That's yeah. what the come on is. Every time you guys. Yeah. Every time a wrestler comes out and yells, come on, that's please clap. Please, please clap for me. Right. You got you got to come up with you got to come up now, with something better. Now, I'm sorry. Okay, now okay, we got we got a little heated there. 
So what's the alternative then? Let's say I'm a I'm a wrestler. This is my debut. I'm supposed to be the face. How do I avoid the come on when I first come out? Um, I I feel like you know what I feel. I wait. Is is the 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 match from the um cripple fight show with Uncle Bob anywhere out online anywhere? Because I, I need to track it down because that's the that's the absolute epitome showcase. Because you need to come out and you just need to be, you need to be energetic without being cliche. That's the biggest thing is I just feel like it becomes so cliche, but you got to do what you can to like, get the audience in there, be, be your character. But you know, if you're the, you know, white meat chicken, good guy, um, you know, come out there and slap hands and kiss babies and try to like really get them interested and into it. Um, like I said, Uncle Bob had music that made you want to like clap along, and he went out there and made sure he shook every hand and like legitimately saw every person. I I was sitting at I was in the audience for that one. Um, by the way, briefly, I was in the audience for the for the uh, John Davis Troy Hollywood thing you mentioned earlier. I had no clue until after the show when you told me what had happened. What had happened? I thought right. that was completely planned from the the get go. Um, but. It, I was sitting at a back table near the bar, far away from the ring, because I, I prefer to kind of be back a little bit to watch. I'm I'm noisy enough from where I'm at. I don't need to take a ringside seat from, like, a kid that wants to see the show. I'd much rather be back and let the kids have the upfront, unless it's, like, something really special, and then I might make a, more of an issue out of it. Um, but Bob came all the way back by the bar, and I shook his hand way back there. Like, so... You, you just, you know, you you have to find the way w- without being too – because an audience reads through cliché in, like, seconds. Mm-hmm. They'll see it when you're just coming out and putting it on. You actually have to find a way to, like – you need to feel interested in yourself, and this could fall into that thing where, you know, uh, the low self-esteem issue, that you're just not believing that people need to – like, you're not believing you're somebody people need to see. And when you come out and you're trying to – play it up like you're somebody they need to see nobody's believing it because you don't believe it yourself so y- you've got to make them believe it you got to make them feel it and i don't well, know if i have the best way to tell you how to do it but i think as don't yell like come little, on <laughs> right don't yell come on um i think is a little bit of a cheat think about your music oh yeah now if it's streaming or something and you can't use copywritten music see if you can find a local band that kind of matches your vibe or something mm-hmm. like that or a cover of something but if it's all if it's no rules and you can play whatever the hell you want to play pick a song that truly fits your character not just this is a cool song or i like this song right. or whatever pick a song that fits you but also if you can a quick get out of jail free card as a face is pick a song that you know people like. I can't tell you how effective it was for Rich Swan to come out to All Night Long by Lionel mm-hmm. Richie. There were shows where I know for a fact that there were people who weren't familiar with Rich Swan yet. And as soon as that music hit, they were like, I don't give a shit who this is. This is my new favorite wrestler. Like that can go a long way. Another mm-hmm. perfect example. There was a punk pro show we did. I don't fucking remember which one, but Matt Nix was there and we hadn't seen Matt Nix in forever. And the crowd didn't know who Matt Nix was at the time. And he comes out to fucking purple rain by Prince. Yep. Which is not a super high energy song, but he came out with this unbelievable purple satin jacket Mm -hmm. and the crowd fucking ate it up they sang along he took his sweet ass time getting into the ring and made it a moment and the crowd again there were older people in the crowd who as soon as matt nicks came out they were like i don't give a shit who this guy is he's my new favorite wrestler right that goes a long way that earworminess goes a long way so if you want something as like a okay i gotta build an entrance that's gonna a explain who i am and b hopefully get people fucking excited then those are factors you need to consider is like what music am i doing what's my outfit look like do i have some kind of song and dance thing i do with the the entrance or do you know something or like chad said 
Go out to the fucking crowd with the people if you have to. The You need to make it super clear to people who you are so that they can be brought in on what the story is being told. Right. If you're pl- trying to be nuanced or too subtle or not clear or not confident, you're only making life hard for yourself. Because then when it's like, okay, and I'm going to be this underdog, the people aren't going to get it until like halfway through the match. They're going to be like, oh, he's the guy we're supposed to be cheering for. Okay, I got it. You're not making you're making it twice as hard on yourself when you don't have to. By being very clear about things, you're gonna make it a lot easier to connect with people, and that's ultimately what you want. You know the funny part is, you know, you know who I have never I what saw what group I have surprisingly never heard for theme music, and I am in shock to this day that I haven't. And and somebody will probably correct me at some point, but um why somebody doesn't have the it's like music from fucking journey as their theme song. Somebody needs to be a small town girl living in a lonely world. That's I don't, true. I don't give it, but like if you're coming out to something like that or, um, you know, and some of them are cliche as shit, but like, but guess what? Uh, you know, fucking living on a prayer, white people get turned when living on a prayer comes on. <laughs> I mean, that's just a, that's just a law of physics. White people be turned, yo. So, I mean, like, you, you can if you can use music like that you know what it's it's a little cheap but i promise you again if you come out to like don't stop believing people are gonna be but again though it yeah. needs to still connect to your character because if well you're, so yeah if you're um uh a 15th century aristocrat character and you're coming out to journey it's gonna be a little True. bit of a mixed message True. So you, again, you need to make sure that it's going to make sense. But Chad's right. There are plenty of party jams and, you know, pop songs and songs that everybody knows by heart that if you do run with that, it's going to be effective. I'll give you another example. And Christian Override, he could do a seminar about theme music. He has a great ear for that kind of thing. And as soon as we had it confirmed that Gnarly Adventure, which is a tag team that is uh, sort of spiritually similar to Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted, yeah. Uh, when they were going to be at a punk pro show, his immediate first thought was like, okay, what airhead heavy metal song am I going to pick for them? Because you're setting the tone with that. Mm-hmm. And if your tone is just sort of like vague, you know, trap music or something like that, where it's just like, right. bah, bah, and it's like making the, the, the speakers rattle. And everyone's like, I don't know that I don't know what that means in this context. Then again, that's one more thing. That's one more extra step you're adding for yourself. Yeah. As opposed to like my theme music is blah because it fits into my character because of blah. Not like, oh, it's an intense song because I'm an intense wrestler. Right. Like that's not enough. That's not enough. And once again, if you if you can use the copyrighted stuff because it's a smaller independent show or something like that great if you're on a bigger show where you can't have the copyrighted music then find find that song that you, the copyrighted song that fits what you're looking for and then and we've had many years of, of theme music for even this show where we've done this where I've gone onto YouTube and searched royalty free and then filled in like the artist from there, or, you know, the type of music you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Lord knows we've, we've had a few times where you and me have both looked up royalty free ska to try right. to find like, you know, horn section music partially because you know, that it's a good and upbeat and it's fun to, to get the show going into, but also because we had somebody else who used to have something to do with our show who hated ska music. So now we do it just out of spite, but yeah, of you know, it's, it's a, but that's that's one of the things you you can find something I promise you I know David Mercury's theme music because I asked him once about what his theme music was he goes uh, it was some royalty free like like I looked up like science music or something like that and it was just, it's like it's a royalty free like techno ish type song that fits the character exactly but that's what he what he goes with and royalty free he can use it wherever and, he wants exactly. and that's his and, song. And, and in his case, you know, again, you're not getting the same like, you know, no one's like singing along to a an instrumental, but that music hits and you're like, what the? And then as soon as he comes out in his lab coat and sometimes goggles, sometimes full mask, something right. along those lines, 
and you hear technical alchemist, you're like, oh man, he's going right. to turn this guy into like some kind of submission science experiment. Right. That's telling, that's doing the heavy lifting. That's building the, the movie trailer for the feature film that you're supposed to be making in ring. Or even better. Are you a musician too? Do you play music? Your theme music should be something you've written. True. You how know many, your character better than anybody else. Seen, how many wrestlers have we seen who have used Montesi tracks? Oh, God, gotcha. Montesi's a fantastic artist. And he's like putting together just these unbelievable hits. And people are like, thanks. I'm, I'm using a runner with it. Like, there are people out there that you can find if, you know, like, like Chad said, if a copyrighted thing is not an option, then there are options out there. But the, the end of the day, you don't. And, and again, in some promotions, it's not going to even be your choice. Right. The music's going to be the music and it's going to be like, hey, kid, that's your cue. Get out there, which I've yeah. done that on a couple of occasions. I'm not proud of it. I've gotten very snippy with people. Sometimes that's going to be the case and you got to just make do. And then maybe at that point you're going, come on, you know, whatever. Right. But when it is in your court, when it is your option, there's no reason to not be pushing for that and going, this all ties into my character. Right. And not just and like. Well, here's a theme song because I can't just come out to silence. That's right. not the right way to go about it. And don't get me wrong. you If you can't afford Montesi, which, you know, I'm sure he makes good money for the songs that he gets here. Well, then go to Fiverr. I, I'm so, sure you can anything. find somebody on Fiverr that will gladly put together music for you and get something that, that you like that would fit your character that, that you can officially say is yours. And I think that's only a good investment on yourself. And it's the same thing with like, it's the, it's the little things that I think that, you know, you need to think about what you need to invest on. If you have that music, do you have a look, you should be investing in, you know, some good looking gear, unless you've got, you know, a character that doesn't fit that. Like, unless you're like, you know, there's a guy here in Florida named Ray Bees who runs a gimmick where he's homeless. Well, okay. He can wear a dirty, you know, dirty cut up flannel and, and shorts because it fits that character. But other than that, you should probably have legitimate gear. You should probably have legitimate boots. You should probably have, you know, theme music and know what, you know, to, to help build, to set the scene and build the character. That's all important to, you know, to what you're doing and when you're walking out long before they see one, one freaking move you do. Mm-hmm. All that has to be, you know, that's the, that's the, I think what's John Davis said before, that's the trailer to your movie. Yes, correct. You, you gotta like, you know, that's, if the, tra- let's be honest, you've all been to movies. If the trailer sucks, you're probably not going to go see that movie. Right. Or if you're seeing it, if you're stuck seeing it, right. you're going to be a lot less enthused. Right. So work on the trailer, everybody. That's important. All right. So, so let me, let now that I've put you on the spot enough, let me, uh, let me throw you this. So what is it, sort of your, your closing notes of gimmicks in general, you know, the guidelines of that. Obviously, we'll get into more merch-related stuff and tangibles right. in the actual seminar. But, uh, but And you can include merch in your closing statements as well. But what is sort of your closing thoughts and statements uh, in regards to gimmicks and wrestling and, and advice to, to wrestlers? Be able to, like, if you don't know what an elevator pitch is, go look it up now but basically an elevator pitch is if you jumped onto an elevator and like you're if you're a movie writer and you jumped onto an elevator and steven spielberg just happens to be in that elevator you've got to be able to pitch you know what the idea of your movie is to him before you get up to the floor he's getting off on to, to catch his interest if you can't tell me about your character in 30 seconds or less you don't have a good grasp on your character so, or you're trying to do too much with your character. Absolutely. You can't sit there and be like, well, sometimes he's like this, but then other times I do this, and then like this. No, 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 no. You're stretching yourself out too thin, and you're not being clear. And also, your elevator pitch should not be asinine. And by that, right. I mean uh, Captain Nova makes jokes about this all the time. You, If your elevator pitch is, I'm like Rick from Rick and Morty and the Joker, to like if they were together, I would right. be like, great. I am never booking you because that right. sounds terrible. Like there are plenty of things you can draw from. Don't be a dumb dumb about it. Right. And and I'll be honest with you. And if you like, for instance, if you were to give me that pitch and don't get me wrong, I'm not a promoter or anything by any stretch of the imagination. But if you were to give me your pitch and I would say, well, tell me about that. And you said, I'm like Rick from Rick and Morty with the Joker. 
Well, guess what? I only know what one of those characters is. And I'll give you a hint. It's not Rick. Right. I, I don't know. I've never watched one moment of Rick and Morty. And you got to kind of assume that a lot of the people you'd be pitching may have only a tertiary idea of what like what like Rick and Morty is. You, mm. you can't you know, you I don't have an issue with you kind of basing things off a little pop culture stuff. But you got to remember that a lot of the people in the audience may not get your joke. So if they don't, it's not going to be any good. So like, and for instance, we had kind of mentioned, um, uh, um, uh, um, Darley adventure earlier. Yes, they are. They are definitely, you know, kind of in a relation to Bill and Ted, but you can still enjoy the characters. Even if, even if you don't know what Bill and Ted is, you get it more if you know Bill and Ted, but if you watch Darley adventure, you know, you've got a couple of like kind of weird kind of stoner slacker dudes, um, that just so happened to be a so happened to be a tag team, but you I don't. They also to... have a, a sentient uh, flannel shirt that exactly. helps them on their adventures. But like, but I don't need to know Bill and Ted to know that gimmick. I know. Don't get me wrong. I know Bill and Ted, so I get I get like the extra you know the extra pieces of it, homages and references but, and things like that. Yeah. Right. But it's it's not vital. So if if your character is so based off of something else that that I have to like go back and watch like a, you know two or three films just to get your joke and then you're you're again you're doing too much or you're you're being a little too meta on it yeah um and, and similar like and, and i guess the biggest thing is know your know what your character is enough that when you walk out you know what it is know when you walk in the back you know what it is but then more importantly don't just lose it in the ring you can't you like mm. i know i said earlier moves moves mm. mean the least but how you move around the ring makes a difference. How you throw your moves makes a difference. You can just be all like suplexes and headlocks and stuff. You can keep a completely like basic ground game, but like, how do you wrench that headlock in? How do you taunt while you're doing it? How do you, you know, react to how the wrestler, you know, the opponent might be escaping your move. How do you, all those little things mean a lot to the character itself at the beginning. And if I lose what it is, if I don't, if I miss your entrance, and I think mm-hmm. Effie talked about this, if I miss your entrance, and I and I'm catching the match in the middle here, I should still be able to in a couple minutes figure out kind of what what you are and what your character is. And I think that's super super important. Is that's one of the most common things that I see is wrestlers have a really interesting entrance, have a really interesting like persona coming in, and then as soon as that bell rings. They're just back to default wrestler until the bell rings again. And it's so disappointing. Right. And I know like using this reference here is going to be like, well, yeah, no duh, Chad, but still go back and look at the undertaker for the last Mm -hmm. 30 years of his career. Like the, yes, the entrance is amazing. The exit's usually amazing, especially if you catch him at a WrestleMania, obviously like you get this awe inspiring, but like just the way he does stuff like, turns his head or you know the infamous undertaker sit up or you know the way he like he, he doesn't run after his his opponent normally he's stalking his prey mm-hmm. like for that type of character that means a lot if you're a chicken shit heel well then you're not going to be like walking in like the undertaker to, to come after your opponent you're going to like weasel your way in and like sneak a quick kick to the ribs or something like that and then cackle because you got one over on them you're not going to be you know you you just have to know and again i know i'm using two completely opposite ideas here but but you know find what what makes you work and what what makes it your character um because if you don't know that in the ring then it's it's not going to it's not going to play um Last thing I guess I can I can say and I'll end on this one here. Um, don't and it it seems like this again, again it's going to be obvious but I I feel like people do sometimes. Don't forget there's an audience there. Yes. Um, unless obviously you're on one of those shows right now. But no, no but you know what I'm going to strike that. Even if you're on a show where nobody's in the audience right now, because obviously I know certain companies are doing like no audience shows and the like, you should still be like reacting in a way. So even if you're playing to a camera that's filming the show, you should be reacting to, to what you, what you feel like an audience would be, would be doing at that point in time. Um, I mean, don't overdo it because we know nobody's in there, but yeah, you'll look like a crazy person, but like you should play to the camera from time to time. I and mean, you should do that anyway, even if there's an audience there, but really it's like 
the people that are in the audience are the important ones from there because, yeah, there's going to be people at home watching as well. But if the audience is sitting on their hands, how interesting is it? How interested is the person sitting at home really going to be? They're probably sitting on their hands, too, because you're not doing anything to really try to draw them in. But if you've got an audience that's like yelling at you and screaming at you, if you're a bad guy or like stomping their feet and clapping their hands, if you're a good guy, then you're doing the right thing. Um, like I and I can, you know, for what little experience I have, you know, with, you know, within the wrestling ring, I've only ever done one thing in ring, per se, when uh, I got the chance to, to be a manager for one match um, for my friend, Mr. Pig. Um, like, I definitely tried to play to the audience to react mm-hmm. what they were saying, but mm-hmm. still like, keep it going to the crowd. And again, I'm an untrained schmuck who just got a one lucky <laughs> shot. Please don't take like, I know a bunch of people are like, yeah, like, you know what you're talking about. I don't, but I've also done theater since I was in eighth grade. Right. Like, you know, to play to an audience, you know, to, you know, you know, to pause for a laugh line. If you're telling a joke, you know, to like, if you've got a moment where it's a big deal, like serious scene, sometimes the pause and the silence means more than anything else you can say or do. No, I a hundred percent agree. So, I, my, I know say, that. My, my big, my big takeaway, and especially you actually mentioned this earlier is when it comes to your character stuff, when it comes to a gimmick, don't make your audience have to do research. Don't yeah. make them have to chase after you to figure out if they're supposed to cheer for you or not. Don't make it difficult for them to give a shit because the more difficult that you make it for them to understand who you are and how they're supposed to react to you, the harder you make that, the less likely it is they're going to do it. Hell, there's people who won't buy shit online if it takes more than two clicks. You think these people yeah. are going to really do a deep dive and figure out, like, wait a minute, okay, so he started, he wrestled at this school originally, and that's where he got trained, and then, and then he's this, and sometimes he's like this, but if he's wearing this color tights, that means he may be a little more ornery than normal. No, right. no, make it very obvious, make it very clear to them from as soon as you come out of that curtain what their obligation is, because if you don't they're not going to go out on a limb and be like, Oh, let me figure this out for you. They're not, they're just going to be uninterested. And that's the worst thing that you can have happen. Absolutely agree. So, well, Zach, I feel like this might be the part in the episode where one, Mr. Brian cage call, uh, calls, obviously get your shit in. So I say this might be a good time for you to recap. Uh, if they're yes. interested in what they've listened to us babble on about for a little while here so far, um, you've got a lot more, especially when it's coming to like merchandise and the like. Mm-hmm. And, and I know we purposely skip merch on this one, mm-hmm. but for a lot of you guys out there, merch is a big deal. But also, you know, more more in depth gimmick stuff. I'm sure will be coming. Tell everybody where they can watch the gimmick guide. So the gimmick guide mm-hmm. seminar will be going live March the 14th at 2:05 Eastern. It will be on the Fully Gimmicked Facebook account. It'll be streaming live there. We'll be taking your questions live. Uh, And then it will be shown in syndication in replay on Twitch and on YouTube. And uh, if you have any questions that you want to send in early, you can send it to us at thegimmickguide at gmail.com. That's G-U-I-D-E, guide at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be compiling all this, and you'll get to hear me uh, kind of speaking my my thoughts on things, and and like I said, taking your questions and making sense of all this so that we can all succeed. Um, I know this has probably been a little more rambly and and a little less uh, structured than normal for an after dark, but I do think we came up with a, a a fair amount of decent conclusions, and I hope that we've helped some people and maybe clarified some things for some wrestlers who are kind of going to dip their toes in again and uh we're just trying to do the lord's work chad that's that's, right. that's what i'm coming and hey and if you guys um you know for those of you that are out there that are uh you know if you're a wrestler and you're interested in kind of getting an idea for merch or things like that um you should go to fullygimmick.com and take a look go. at all the merch that's on there uh and if you're enjoying this show and you're a wrestling nerd you should really go to fullygimmick.com uh, and go look for the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network section because we have a whole bunch of stuff up there for uh, us here on the IndieCast for Team Hammerfist. Um, Satitude Era, I do believe, has a, a you know, yes, they've a, got a, a no sell the dwell shirt. So uh, you should you should go buy all of that. And uh, if you do, go t- take a picture of it and let us 
see the shirt. God damn it. We want, we want to see that you're, there's wrestling nerds out there that actually, you know, decided to plunge money down to buy our merch because it's some cool stuff out there. Uh, so you should go do that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And if you're not subscribing already, you should do that. Yeah. Uh, whole bunch of shit coming up here and then go watch the gimmick go watch the gimmick guide uh i know well, i'll I, be there so thank you thank you i do have one final plug plug away sir uh, there's an upcoming episode of another podcast that we are i would say sibling podcast to mm-hmm. and that is uh the frightful failures podcast definitely and the only reason i bring it up is there there is an incoming episode where i picked two films uh for myself and, and my co-host Tian Gignol to watch. The first one was See No Evil starring Kane. And the second Amazing. one was Pro Wrestlers versus Zombies starring Shane Douglas and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Amazing. I've never even heard of that second one. And that's a Piper it's flick. A, huh? It's a it's a trauma team release that tells you everything you need to know. So nice. make sure you keep your ears open for frightful failures as I torture my co-host and make him watch very bad wrestling horror films. Amazing. Uh, so so that, that's coming in the pipeline soon. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. Hope to see all of you listening at the uh, Gimmick Guide seminar. And uh, for everybody here at the IndieCast, I am, of course, Sticky Steamboat. Uh, And I am, as always, Coculus Maximus. And until next time, everybody, we always say... Deuces. Hercules Mulligan! A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you what fucker. The- Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.